Hello and welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. Join me, your host, Tristan Stevenson, as I chat to some of the biggest and best names in the industry on a whole range of bar-related topics. From the finer details of spirits and cocktails to the latest global trends. We hope you're inspired by the variety of episodes available. Okay, welcome to the show. I am joined here on this episode by two dear friends, Claire Warner and Barry Wilson. Welcome, guys. Wow, thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Tristan. Lovely to see you. Absolute pleasure to see you. Um, Claire, you were just saying you like a good podcast. How many podcasts do you do? Um, Well, I listen to more than I do. Uh, I mean, um, but I do a lot. But no, I listen to Russell Brand mm -hmm. and Table Manners also is incredible with Jesse Ware. So, Claire, we've known each other quite a few years. We sort of spent about three years, about three years ago, just in each other's pockets all the time, yes. travelling around, so nice. talking about vodka mostly, and it was a wonderful period of my life. Yeah, yeah. mine too. Yeah. And now you avoid me like the plague. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, just super busy, and I, you know, adore oh, yeah. you, yeah, and great, yeah. <laughs> you're just really good talking about vodka. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's been, it was a lovely time. Yeah. Um, and Barry... Yeah, sorry. I've been uh, sorry. I've, I've been really busy as well, mate. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you've not been busy enough, mate, because I see way too much of you. Um, we so Barry and I have sort of we've known each other for thirteen, fourteen years. Yeah, now, haven't we? I actually used to work for you. He was Barry was my manager. What was that like? Uh, yeah. Well, you can imagine. <laughs> I am. Um, I basically trained him, so you right. know, without we have you me, to thank, yeah. yeah, yeah. Without me, you'd be still um, working as a. A waitress in a cocktail bar. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, that was a great period. And we've kind of had reason to work together since. We've mm. actually co-owned a bar together at one time. And we. this is partly why you had to come on the podcast, really, because you're one of my best mates. <laughs> and um, it's uh, it's always good to have a conversation with you. It just remains to be seen how good you are talking to uh, an audience of thousands where there's certain things you're not allowed to say. <laughs> Um, but just sort of delving into your history a little bit, Barry, because there's something interesting I think that probably most people will be interested in hearing anyway. Um, when we worked together, it was kind of the origins of the world-class world competition, wasn't yeah. it? And not a lot of people know this, but you were kind of instrumental in the creation of that competition, which has now, of course, gone on to be the biggest cocktail competition in the world, and not only that, but a training platform for bartenders across the world. Um, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, well, um, well, well thank you. Um, and thanks for being my friend for all these years. Uh, yeah, I I started with uh, Diageo Reserve Brands and I was an ex-bartender and um, I, I didn't believe that bartending was a, you know, a credible profession or it wasn't um, deemed to be a credible profession at the time. You know, and being a, being a celebrity chef, you were on that pedestal and, you know, shown around the world so I wanted to do something that um you know put those bartenders you know uh, on that pedestal and, and give them a bit of uh, credibility and 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 make bartending credible once again and the way we've done that obviously you give them education you know you increase them you increase their knowledge increase their skills as a bartender and then reward and recognize them for making uh, good drinks it was as simple as that and then um I can, obviously can't take all the credit i think that was my only input <laughs> and then yeah we, we, we launched it um in the uk for a couple of years and um then launched it global and it's now and it's well just finished its 11th year so claire you mentioned you you spent a lot of time working for a quite famous vodka brand luxury yeah. vodka brand but you've sort of reinvented you're a bit like madonna, madonna really aren't you <laughs> God, i hope madonna, i have that sort of career uh, uh, the alcohol industry <laughs> yeah. um 
Yeah, you've reinvented yourself. You're now the, the MD of Acorn Aperitif, which yeah. is the sister brand of Seedlip, which is that both brands newly into the Diageo fold, I'm led mm-hmm. to believe. Yeah. yeah, And interesting because they're non-alcoholic brands. Exactly, yeah. So uh, I just think that the drinks industry, there's room for more than something that contains uh, alcohol and Seedlip has demonstrated that in a phenomenal way and sort of articulated that, uh, that problem, I suppose, that dilemma that we felt that we've been in a bar or restaurant, there's been nothing kind of adult or complex for us to enjoy that doesn't contain alcohol. And um, and I think, you know, the response to Seedlip has been phenomenal and we wanted to continue that uh, and take sort of non-alc options in a slightly different uh, direction with the introduction of a range of aperitifs, which are very different in style to Seedlip. Mm-hmm. Um, and the aperitifs are, I guess, kind of comparable to some of the like Italian Amaro type drinks that you would get, but obviously without the alcohol. So sort of bittersweet designed mm. to be mixed with soda or yeah. re- to replace something like Aperol in a Negroni or, or whatever. Yeah, we took inspiration definitely from European aperitif traditions, but also we found a recipe um, in a really old book for acorn wine. Um, which was being used in the sort of Middle Ages um, to sober up the intoxicated. And the reason it was so powerful uh, was because it was really, really bitter. And a lot of that bitterness came from acorns. And we used acorns in this country as um, something to... We used the flour to make bread. We used acorns to uh, give us tannins and bitterness in herbal remedies. And so that recipe combined with the popularity around bitter flavours, we felt we could modernise that acorn corn wine recipe bring it back into sort of like the modern um the modern era and um sort of reference some of the flavors that you find in the european aperitif traditions and kind of create something that doesn't mimic something that already exists but kind of creates something new in a non-alc way Mm. um and so that's why it's called acorn because we use a small amount of acorn extract in all of the products for a bitterness that comes from Britain. Um, and you're using other bitter ingredients in there as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. So ingredients from all over the world, but really lovely to be able to use something that's been forgotten about. Mm. I mean, it's probably a good time to try some. You brought some with you, so we might yeah. as well taste a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so I bought Acorn Dry and I bought the very sort of brand new No Grony as well, which was launched uh, two days ago. Um, and Acorn Dry is the one that for me um, is, you know, it doesn't contain sugar. It's dry for that reason, but also dry because um, we're using dry tannic ingredients. Uh, so black tea and quassia and also the acorns. And then we use, and so those astringent ingredients create, well, they, they have tannins and tannins create structure in the mouth. And um, structure is... For me, you know, one of the important considerations when you're thinking about making something non-alcoholic. And then to that sort of structural base, um, we add um, chamomile and clary sage and um, sort of really green and floral ingredients. Um, There's also some white oak in there as well. Um, And everything that we do is based on English sparkling wine grapes. So Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Meunier grown in Sussex, pressed early to create verjus. And the verjus is this beautiful, crisp, uh, sort of um, complex base that behaves on the palate a little bit like wine, but without, obviously, the alcohol. So you've got the tannins from the the grape skins and the and the grape juice itself, and then we um, add the botanicals to it. So there's a little bit of salinity in there as well um, to kind of bring the palate forward. But all in all, I think it's just a really beautiful, crisp, refreshing, elegant aperitif. Is there quinine in there? 
there's quassia in there. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so quassia and black tea for mm. that bitter structure. Yeah, I've, I've just tried it neat and then also tried it with soda water, which I guess is kind of a recommended way of serving it. Right? Yeah, exactly. I really like it neat, um, just chilled in a wine glass, um, but also great with soda, sparkling water, tonic, you know. It's very, very mixable, really delicious, mixed with seed lip garden as well to make yeah. a martino. Mm. So using it as a sort of vermouth equivalent. And do you, I mean, is it, do you look at serves that incorporate alcoholic drinks in there as well? So ways in which you can use it in regular cocktails? Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, you know, it's um, the intention for Acorn was to complement Seedlip and to behave mm. as a cocktail modifier. No reason also because of the concentration of flavours that it can't also be a modifier for um, for alcohol. And in fact, that's how Lioness use it in a lot of their in- a lot of their ingredients. And it's used to make boozeless cocktails, but also to, to be flavour in lower ABV cocktails. It's incredible, though. You, you mentioned it, it's that sort of complexity mm. um, and the structure within it as well. And, uh, you know, the, the, the texture is the taste as well. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that, that was lacking, you know, and having that offer was just a bit thin before. We take alcohol for granted in some some respects mm. when we're mixing because it's such a great, um, has, you know, range, complexity, it has depth, it does all sorts of wonderful things wonderful things in our palate and so when you're not using alcohol you have to create structure and mm-hmm. breadth and the way that the the liquid moves across the palate with the ingredients well we do it with the ingredients that we use um and the verju base has, has a lot to yeah. a lot to do with that yeah because i mean one of the things that alcohol provides provides in a drink is a kind of spiciness and a, and a grip on the palate it yeah. holds flavor um for longer right so you're saying that you think the verju is the or verju is the is the kind of key component in acorn that's attempting to sort of simulate that effect? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, obviously, I'm not going to go into all of them because they are uh, proprietary. But yeah, <laughs> okay. soz. But um, but actually, yeah, the, the tannins are another real, really important factor. You know, the grip that you're describing um, for us comes from verju, but also from black tea. Um, the bitterness as well kind of creates more sort of complexity, and that's coming from quassia. Quassia is really a bitterness that's really well balanced and doesn't seem to fatigue the palate in the way that other sort of really bitter ingredients mm. can. So, um, so when we when we were creating acorn, we really had to sort of unlearn all of the stuff that we take for granted when it comes to making drinks with alcohol, and instead think about ingredients functionally in terms of what they do in the mouth and to create length and body and complexity and all those sorts of things. You're listening to Diageo Bar Academy's new podcast, Bar Chat. Still to come. I think what we'll get to is talking less about ABV of a drink and more about what it tastes like. We've got a big focus on plants as well, right? This is kind of the, one of the backbones of Seedlip and, and of Acorn. Tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, for us, we you know we think of ourselves as um, a company that really wants to protect the environment, as, as we all should be thinking about. Um, Ben's family have been in agriculture for 300 years so farming and this is ben branson, ben branson yes yeah, so founder of seedlip his his family have been in, in agriculture for a very long time and so the natural world and how we can use the natural world in our day-to-day lives in terms of drinking 
to bring us closer to the natural world and have a better sort of appreciation for it is very important to us as a company. Um, and with Acorn, we also, you know, really wanted to promote our British provenance, which is why we use English sparkling wine grapes, which is why we wanted to feature the British acorns. And um, I think, you know, it gives us an opportunity to talk about how important nature is to us and how we are sort of connected to it and how we should think about it as being something we're connected to rather than something we can just, you know, use and abuse. Mm-hmm. And I think also with a kind of focus on plants and and provenance of those ingredients and what they bring to a liquid, it's also one of the ways in which you can kind of elevate a product so it's not just a repackaged soft drink, mm. you know, um, something that would be applicable to anyone, but this is an adult drink that yeah. is a replacement, a direct replacement for a spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we came to sort of thinking about Acorn being inspired by, you know, alcohol, um, brands that had come before it and also inspired by traditional herbal remedies which really did focus on the ingredients that were available locally to the people that were thinking about herbal remedies. So, um, so you know, we, we cast our net very wide in terms of the botanicals that we use but also wanted to really focus on what we could use locally to sort of like bring the two worlds together. Um. What do you think are the kind of limitations of these sorts of drinks? So, you know, you mentioned making a martini using seed lip um, and, and acorn. You know, can, is it possible to man- make something like an old-fashioned? Um, are there? Do you, do you see a time where there's going to be liquids available that can simulate a whiskey, for example, or a tequila? Um, what are the best serves for, for using non-alcoholic um, uh, products? Mm. Um, and what are the worst? Yeah. Um, well, we launched our No Grony two days ago, um, and I think that's a really great example of how you can still create great classic yeah. serves using non-alcoholic products. The quality of your ingredients are critical, as they are with great-tasting alcohol cocktails. And so um, for us, you know, we we have, with Seedlip and Acorn, I think we've worked out that we can probably make about 300 or so classic-style drinks, thinking about... Um, it's quite a lot. So, yeah, it's not bad. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it could be better, but... Uh. <laughs> we'll, try, we'll, we'll, we'll work on it. Yeah. I know, it's so demanding, isn't it, honestly? It's unbelievable. It's terrible. <laughs> this is why I haven't seen him for three yeah, years. Yeah, um, So there's a lot you can... There is a lot you can do. Um, and I think, really, what, what we... What doesn't necessarily work, I think, is when you are really using sort of lots and lots of dilution because mm. we still want to keep the flavours as concentrated as possible. And dilution really helps to open up alcohol. Mm. And where there's no alcohol, you don't necessarily need as much dilution. I, mm. so, I totally agree. Um, so we, when Seedlip uh, was launched, uh, we were working with Ben Branson to create the service. This is yeah, Scotch and right. Limon, your, yeah. your, your brand agency. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was incredible. So we, it was the, the Seedlip um, Spice. Mm. And um, that, was, that was the first, uh, first creation. And it was trying to get that depth and that complexity and the texture within it. So we spent a morning experimenting with the perfect recipe to make a martini with Seedlip. And... We were using um, quite a bit of olive brine in there for nice. the texture and for that, um, the, the savoury note. But then we found in um, Borough Market, I remember me and Ben were there, it was uh, Sancho peppercorns. Yeah. And and talk about a party in your mouth mm. with that. It's like a swarm of 
bees in your mouth if you if you chew one of these. So we just dropped a little bit in and let it infuse with the brine. And honestly, the, the, the martinis were incredible. Mm. And you're just non-alcoholic and to get that taste and texture and, and, and then savoury notes in it was, mm. was just mind-blowing. Yeah. I, remember, I remember that moment and, and Ben's face actually, you know, tasting that for the first time. He was completely blown away and yeah, yeah. we love sancho no, yes yeah, it's a great ingredient and sancho actually we use in acorn bitter for that sort of very is that the reason. secret ingredient no we talk <sighs> about that sort of um but no absolutely i think that um you know the only limitation i suppose is you know dilution but that's because we're looking at making cocktails in the same way that we would make alcoholic cocktails and with non-alcoholic cocktails you don't have to do that but also just perhaps you know our own sort of frame of reference when it comes to you know what drinks are possible and um, with non-alcoholic there's a lot of freedom in what you can create because you're not you're not sort of restricted by the ABV you're not restricted by the powerful flavors or the strength of the alcohol and so you can you can work with subtlety you can work with texture you can work with salinity you can work with all different sorts of aspects of drinks that um, that perhaps you might not be able to with um, with alcohol, and it reminds me a lot, really, with the work that we did around Belvedere, and you know that being a vodka with complexity and lots of flavour, but still within a sort of subtle way. But I think now with non-alc, we're sort of still working with trying to bring out beautiful flavours and complex uh, using complex ingredients to just create something different. So. What's in this bottle of Negroni exactly? So, um, what, what what makes a Negroni? Oh, little, you're putting me on the spot now, aren't you, Claire? It's a little okay. Test. Let me let me just delve into my knowledge of cocktails, <laughs> my mind palace of drinks. <laughs> I'm just filtering Ooh. through the different pages of it. Okay, mind so palace. normally for, for normally for anyone who's listening to this podcast who's never heard of a Negroni before, um, it would <laughs> comprise of gin. Sweet vermouth and uh, bitter amaro. Lovely. So in here we have, well done. Thank you very much. Does he win a prize? He gets a badge. Got a bit of a sweat on. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so equal parts, seed lip, spice, uh, acorn aromatic and acorn bitter in here. Uh, So the intention is to just serve it straight over ice and uh, Garnish with an orange wedge or twist. That is pretty good. Do you want to put some ice on that? But, but yeah, because uh, you've got some ice there. Okay, Claire. Claire didn't serve it particularly well, so she's a, she's <laughs> retired, just, retired. I am retired. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I wonder if she stuff. hasn't entered a cocktail competition. And she still beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you were in that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad, you, re- glad you remember me. I must have made a big impact yeah. on your career. What was the drink you made? Ah, <laughs> uh, it was um, it was called a Trace Element. That's a cool name. Yep. Terrible cocktail, though. Um, sounds like a kind of bad sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, was, that, was, it, that was the theme. Did it have, um, did it have dry ice? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We didn't have that in Scotland until, um, until 2018. <laughs> um, there you go. There, there, there's ah, your drink with ice, you. Tristan. Team effort on that one. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so this is, yeah, this is our take on, on the Negroni. And... Uh, I mean, I think it's a stunning drink, actually. I, I've got to say, I prefer this to a Negroni. Great! Yeah. It is really tasty. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I, Thanks I will say that I'm, I'm not a huge Negroni fan. Same. I, I, I like a Boulevardier when you change yes. the gin for, for bourbon. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, Barry's actually Barry's actually brought some bourbon with him because he's going to make a drink for us shortly as well. Um, so we could try a little bit of bourbon so in there to see like what it tastes low, like. Like a low happens. version yeah. of it. Why not? I mean, yeah. Yeah, a low groney. A low groney. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got bullet bourbon going into the no groney. A low boulevardo, though. Oh, yeah. So, but Boulevard only no grown. It's, it's bologna. Should we just call it baloney? <laughs> <laughs> so just put 15 mils in. Yeah, nice. 15 mil, good, yeah. So we're still talking about a very low ABV drink here, mm. aren't we? Yeah. So this is about half a unit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks. That's a delicious drink. <laughs> it's going to work. <laughs> So that is such a... This that is, is mixology taking place right in front in of your ears. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That works. That works so well. That is good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that is really good. It's a really delicious drink. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about occasions because I mean, non-alcoholic uh, products, they're not just for people who don't drink, right? There, Absolutely. There are certain occasions where these products and the cocktails that come with them are applicable for anyone, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. If uh, I don't know who wants to kick that off. I just want to start by saying that I think the least interesting thing about what we're doing is the fact that they're non-alcoholic. And I hope that in the future, and I'm sure we'll talk about the future in, in a bit, but mm. we'll talk about the future in the future. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I think in the future, we'll, we won't be talking about these things. We won't be starting conversations with these are non-alcoholic, but instead we'll be saying these are you know, this is the ingredients or this is what they taste like, this is how you use them, this is when you can drink them, this is what they work well with. Oh, and by the way, they're non-alcoholic. So I think that's where yeah. we, that's our ultimate aim, really. I, I totally agree. And it's not just, um, you know, people who don't drink. It's for people who, you know, don't want to drink on a night out, but you mm. still want to go on a night out. A couple of friends of mine were at a wedding, they were they were pregnant. And, you know, so again, just having, you know, some seed lip there, acorn there for them to, you know, have a cocktail and still feel part of the celebration is great and you know if you're you know in, in this industry you do a lot of traveling as well so if you do want to go out have a nice meal and you don't really want to drink but just having something you know with flavor and texture yeah. that's going to complement the food i think is, uh, is so so important um so we've tried a couple of not na non-alcoholic mm-hmm. drinks from claire which were delicious and then we tried adding a little bit of bullet bourbon to one and that also tasted great um barry you're going to mix us a kind of a low alcohol drink, aren't you? Or yeah. lower? Yeah, so we've, we've got the no, and then we've got the, the low. But I think a lot of people um, associate low with sort of longer drinks and spritzes. And, uh, but something that we... Um, it was uh, Mark Mark Ward, um, Lord Ward. Uh, we were playing around with them a good few years ago was sort of um, reversing classics. So um, whereas, you know, a normal Manhattan... Or, or Rob Roy, you'd probably use the um, 50 ml of the base spirit, so being um, either Bullet or Johnny Walker, um, and then 20, 25 of the vermouth. Uh, so we're just flipping that around. So you're changing uh, maybe you know a, a, an after-dinner cocktail or, or, or a cocktail that's um, definitely more of a sipping cocktail mm. um, from a, a 2.8-unit drink into a 1.8-unit drink. So mm. I, I, um, yeah, I, I've made some up. Um, because ideally you don't want to stir it as well. Yeah. Um, so I just, um, a la Dukes, um, so pre-mixed. Why don't you want to stir it? Um, I, I just want to get the most amount of texture within to, in oh, the okay. drink as well, because obviously you're flipping that round. Um, and it's nothing to do with laziness. <laughs> um, That's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> um, so so all, I've, all I've done here is uh, 50ml of Belsazar Rosé, 
and uh, 25 ml of bullet bourbon and then just a little bit of uh, cherry blossom and watermelon mm. in there as well just to uh, just to make it pop mm. well let's try a little bit i think this is great because as you say with with low alcohol drinks we often associate them with longer drinks like fizzes and spritzes and highballs and that kind of thing um and so it's nice to be able to sort of serve these lower alcohol drinks in a martini glass or a coupe um and to have that same sort of visual appeal that you get with those stronger stirred down and brown or yeah. martini style cocktails but it remains to be seen how tasty this is <laughs> are you going to be brutally honest as well <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um i'll try it first <laughs> not cold enough uh, yeah it's not cold enough i could do it with some dilution okay. no no it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect um claire do you want to try yeah so as you're just you're getting that like lots of fruit from the the vermouth in there, but then just obviously a little hint of spice from the. Um, That's delicious. The it's really nice, and that, it's a. The watermelon's really interesting in that. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't have known it was watermelon because unless you'd said it, but it's a really wonderful ingredient. Yeah, yeah you can smell it, just, it actually. It really lifts everything. Yeah, and actually you can smell it, and the way it on the nose it sort of combines with. The bourbon, mm. the kind of woody barrel characteristics is really quite interesting. Mm. I think that's it. It's just obviously that little bridge. And instead of just having this sort of two ingredient cocktail, it's just sort of bridges them together. Well, the watermelon's really quite there on the, on the palate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost imbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That, 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 that's, really a nice, it, that's the that nicest thing nice. he's ever said to me. I'm getting emotional. At least I said almost. <laughs> almost. I know exactly. No, absolutely. Completely. Um, but yeah, you can see you can see the um, the theory behind it as well. And, and we we're also made, you know, twist it around. You can make a martini as well. So it's, you know, it's not wet. It's absolutely dripping mm. wet martini. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just adding you know a little bit of salinity in there as well. I think it's a, it's just another, um, you know, a, a drink for people to try really. And just because uh, I think sometimes <laughs> you can have one or two maximum of of a Manhattan or martini. Mm. Um, th- this is something you can drink and e- even in warmer climates. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, like I said, the, the more obvious route with the low alcohol is these kind of aperitivo style drinks mm. where you take something kind of like a vermouth. Um, Balthazar Rosé, for example, and just dilute with soda. But and and there's a whole culture that comes with that as well. Of course, it's not that bad. Sorry, it's, what do you mean it's not that bad? It's all right, it's fine. It's getting better. It's no, getting, he's it's saying, getting better. No, no, he's saying it's getting, getting better. better. So what was wrong with no, it in no, the first place? No, you're, you're saying it's getting better. I really like it. I think it's thank delicious. You, thank yeah. you. You've got a really good palate. That's true. We know that Tristan doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah. So and there's because. I guess the, we should talk a little bit about aperitivo culture because mm. that, that's a great way of, of drinking some of these lower ABV drinks because there's something sort of stylish and you feel like you're experiencing a taste of the Mediterranean yeah. or Italy, specifically that cafe culture of aperitivo, pre-dinner and everything. Um, what, what's your favourite serves of that kind of style, like an Americano or... Actually, you drink a little bit of, um, like, Ricard, don't you? Ricard yeah. and water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I've been spending quite a bit of time in uh, France. And um, I, for me, that that's just a beautiful moment. Just a little Ricard, some water, so refreshing, and just you know, some, some nice nibbles and food. 
So let's start to wrap this up. I want to talk a little bit about the future of where this kind of no and low movement is going. You're opening a bar or did you do that already, the no low? Yeah, we did no low last year, uh, 16 cities, two nights um, in in collaboration with some really wonderful bars all over the world. That was um, sort of a really interesting experiment to see whether or not you could have a whole evening of just no and low drinks and uh you know the customers wouldn't run out screaming going like mm. you know give me a martini or whatever so that that really worked incredibly well for us mm. just as a way of again sort of showing that you can have delicious complex drinks and they don't have to have alcohol in them because in a way i kind of compare that and compare it to like vegetarian and veganism right <sighs> so how long is it going to take how long has it taken right? did you know did you know he's a wait a second you're vegetarian <laughs> yeah but i didn't talk about it <laughs> Well, you're going to now. It's yeah. <laughs> um, an hour. That's pretty good. I've actually started eating more meat, um, <laughs> to be honest, just because I don't... <laughs> to offset, just to offset my, Tristan's... Uh, my, yeah, my lack of contribution yeah. to the uh, yeah, meat thing. But what I was going to say was, so at the moment, we're kind of at a point where, um, you know, most restaurants, for example, serve meat, and then they have a couple of vegetarian items on the menu, and it's similar in bars, right? Most drinks are have alcohol in them and then you have a couple of non-alcoholic cocktails and thankfully because of the sort of new range of products that have come out like seed lip and acorn um three spirit we are starting to see we're starting to see (laughs) we're we're starting to see you know really great cocktails that are viable alternatives rather than like here's a mocktail we've just taken the alcohol out of it you know um but we're in going back to the vegetarian thing we're also seeing really great restaurants that open up that are dedicated vegetarian or vegan offerings so do we think that there are going to be permanent establishments that are serving no no and low well, let's just say no actually non-alcoholic drinks in the future where you know you can go there and you're not going to find an alcoholic drink on the menu it's just non-alcoholic beer non-alcoholic wine and various different non-alcoholic spirit based cocktails they already exist yeah. do they Great. Virgin Mary in Dublin, uh, entirely zero ABV bar. Um, I'm, I'm, I forget their names, but there's a couple in New York, one in San Francisco, a couple in LA. So um, there's one in London, and one in yeah. London. So Redemption yep. bar, yeah. I think. And I think there's another one opening as well. Um, yeah. And um, Sainsbury's did their pub yeah. pop up as well, which is all no and low, uh, all no and low, yeah. So, so absolutely, I think that that will be the future. But I think rather than being so sort of binary and being like to the extreme of having no ABV, because ultimately, you know, we, we don't want to demonise alcohol and we don't think that it's that the alcohol is the issue per se, but it's actually that there's nothing really on the other side of alcohol that gives people great choice and so i think i think what we'll what we'll get to is a place where there's greater integration on menus between low abv no abv and abv cocktails and that perhaps we're talking less about the the abv of a drink and more about what it tastes like Mm. i think you've got to be careful as well because say if the three of us are going out for a drink which obviously will never happen ever again we'll go out yeah we can go yeah yeah but not again (laughs) a mutiny going on here (laughs) (laughs) no but again i think they've got to be careful about these completely no ABV bars Um, so if I say for example I want a drink you don't want to have a drink then we'd have to go to separate bars and um, uh, you know it's it's, it's kind of doing 
Mm. Maybe we have to go to the extremes in order to kind of come back and mm. meet somewhere sort of that's comfortably in the middle and that yeah. everybody's included. And that for me is what we need to get to. Greater inclusion, uh, greater representation on menus. We're already seeing incredible creativity when it comes to making fantastic drinks. Yeah. The extension to that, I think, is, you know, we've done a great job in bringing cocktail culture into our homes and making making cocktails at home is kind of as probably as most the most accessible, accessible it's ever been. And then so by extension, just having, you know, really great non-out options at home as well that are simple and complex and work with food and can help us entertain our friends when they're not drinking. Diageo Bar Academy keeps bar professionals informed, inspired and connected. Sign up to the newsletter at diageobaracademy.com to stay up to date with all the latest news and trends. But for now, let's get back to our chat. One thing remains, we've got quickfire questions. Oh. Okay, which everyone gets. Same questions. You you don't have to answer with just one word. You can elaborate on your answer as much as you like. Feels like a test. This is a test. Um, Question number one, desert island cocktail. Pina Colada. Oh, well, it's a desert island, right? <laughs> what else like, are you going to do? Went on a desert island. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paloma. Paloma, mm. which is also pretty good on a desert island, I'd say. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the inverse of that question, the drink that needs burying, cocktail needs to be forgotten about. Mocktails. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Negroni. Negroni. Oh, it's so oh, controversial, what? eh? Yeah. But, I, but the one that you would have in place of that is the Negroni. Negroni, exactly. Yeah, so... Such a strange thing with Negroni, isn't it? Because it's kind of been one of the poster childs of the craft cocktail mm. renaissance. You know, it was the cocktail where you've got to get it right. You've got to have the service of that drink right. And it was for a long time a staple on every single cocktail list. Mm. Anywhere you go. And it became a bartender's drink, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to have a Negroni. And, uh, you know, you've got to earn the right to order a Negroni and to appreciate it. And now, more and more, I'm speaking to people and they're like, I just don't really like Negroni. I don't, yeah. Consumers are loving them, though. Mm. I think they've, they've, they've cottoned on and they're like, oh, this is this our little bartender secret. Uh, question number three. Which bar, if you had to drink, I mean, could only drink in one bar for the rest of your life, would you choose to drink in? That's hard. And it could be a bar that's closed. Um... Oh, that, see, that's tricky because... There's certain it's bars for certain odd. occasions. Mm. I think, to be be honest, the bar I've been most impressed with recently out of all the openings is uh, Eric's Quant. Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah, I really like, I love that. And the, the service is, is just spot on and the decor is amazing, drinks so are great. So that's Eric Lawrence's new bar in London, yeah. Quant, yeah. yeah. Quaint. Oh, is that how you say it? Yes, quaint. It's not how it's spelled, quaint. though, is it? Uh, quaint is an quaint. old English spelling of the word quaint. I tell you the one that really blew me away, and I love quaint as well. But Taya Elementary, it was just so different, and I love what they do. And you know, obviously Alex and Monica are amazing, but the whole experience for me was something I hadn't had before. Mm. And I think that's that stayed with me. That feeling of having a new experience in uh, in an environment that we know so so well, but sort of just coming and sitting at that counter and seeing what they were doing. I mean. It was really special. That stayed with me. So your ultimate wingman working a shift on a bar, or wingman or woman. So who would be the person that you would most like to tend bar with for an evening? And it could be in your favourite bar making your favourite drink, but it doesn't have to be. For 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 Bants, yeah. it'd be uh, Jared Plummer. <laughs> um, do you know Jared? Yeah. yeah. Um, that that's uh, that would be a lot of fun. But for um, so making... who's Jared Plummer? You better explain for anyone who doesn't know. Oh. 
He's he's just one of the the best people in the world. He's um well, that narrows it down. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I no. know who I want. Australian. He works for Sweet and Chili and heavily involved in the drinks industry over there. I think he owned a bar um on Bondi as well. Mm. Um, but he's, he's yeah. just you know for, for me that's hospitality. You know, mm. just he's he's always smiling, um and um he's he's very slow like me as well. Yeah. So. So it's a very specific bar experience. So it would be pre-made martinis. So we'd just be pouring them. And it would be Jeffrey Kluger. Ah, our good friend ah. Jeffrey Kluger. Yeah, Jeffrey Kluger, author of Apollo 13, all-round legend. Um, just uh, just our sort of like, what, surrogate uncle type thing? Yeah, I'd say uncle. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute legend. We Claire got in touch with him many years ago now to... <laughs> had come and do a seminar with us at Tales of the Cocktail about martinis. And um, we, were, we were kind of laughing, reaching out to this man who wrote Apollo 13. And much to our delight, he responded and told us that he loved martinis and would love to come and do a seminar with us. And then I think we must have done five different yeah, seminars. Yeah, we've adopted him now. More than that, even. Yeah. yeah. He knows everything about everything. Oh, he's a senior science editor. Sorry, we should probably sorry, sorry, yeah. Senior science editor of Time magazine. Yeah. It's been wonderful to have you both in. Barry, I know I've been a little bit harsh on you. Um, I love it. I love it. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But um, for anyone wondering why I'm so mean to him, he's one of my best friends. And um, uh, out of the studio, he's far more mean to me. I promise you. This yeah. is me getting my own back. Don't, don't worry. We, we, we're, we've got matching tattoos. And oh, that's a true story. We actually have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so don't uh, That please. was unnecessary. Didn't you have to share that? <laughs> what a horrible way to finish. Yeah. Uh, and Claire, yes, thanks for having you. It's been wonderful to catch up. And yeah. we we should do this without microphones in front of and us. And Barry. Yeah. <laughs> what a team. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Bar Chat. Visit diageobaracademy.com for access to more podcast episodes and exclusive content. See you next time. <laughs>